Well, hey, everybody, welcome to church. <laughs> glad to be here today. I'm so glad you're here, and to our church family in Hokesson, a big welcome to you. Love you so much. Yeah, let's give it up for Hokesson. And for everybody as well at our online location, you're in the house, even though it happens to be your beach house. We're glad you're along for the ride as well, and love you so much. Come on, let's give it up for everybody at our online location. And uh, just excited today. Uh, I'm very glad to be back. I've been uh, away for a few weeks, and it's, it's fantastic to come home. I want to say a big thank you to our teaching team. Did such a tremendous job over the past few weeks. And then I had an opportunity to watch every single one of our communicators from Voices Weekend. Uh, last weekend, we had 10 uh, different people who were, who were communicating last weekend. And I just got to tell you, I had two thoughts. Number one, the future is bright. And uh, number two, I am old. So one of those is a spiritual thought, one of those is not, but I'm just so proud of every single one of them, and I am just so glad to be home. I love my church family. Love you guys so much, and glad to be back, yeah. And if you're joining us for the first time at any of our locations, I'm very glad you're here. And today is actually a great opportunity for you to, to uh, kind of get acclimated to what our church is all about because we're kicking off a brand new series and we're calling it Undaunted. It's all about how to live our lives boldly. In fact, let me give you the definition of that word, undaunted, because it is kind of an SAT word. I get that. So let's, let's define it. It means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. Not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. So what could our lives look like if we could live that way. I mean, wherever we are spiritually, whatever our beliefs about God or church, what if we could live life courageously, even in the midst of what seem to be good reasons to stay quiet, back off, give up? What, what could our relationships look like if we had that kind of courage, if we were undaunted? What could our mental health look like, our finances, our faith? What, what could happen in our lives? So whether the journey is home to you or you're just checking us out, I hope you'll be here Every, work, every week during this series, it's four weeks long, this is week one, and uh, they'll all kind of build the messages on each other, and I hope it's going to encourage your faith. So as we kick things off today, I want to do a little poll, as I often do. How many of us, by a show of hands, like to be liked? Would you just raise your hand, just be honest, if you'd like to be liked? Come on, Hocast and online, raise that hand, raise that hand. Yeah, uh, I like the way you raised your hand. I know you need that affirmation, so just, I, I like it, I like it. Okay, next question. How many of us like to be disliked? Just by a show of hands, you really enjoy it when people dislike you. Good, not many, I'm glad. Uh, it's healthy, it's healthy. And yet, how many of us, last question, at some point in our lives, in spite of our desire to be liked, have been disliked by somebody. Just show of hands, have you ever, even though you're trying to avoid it, just end up being disliked? If I have a choice, I like to be liked. It's more fun than being disliked. And if you are someone who would say, well, I really enjoy being disliked, we have other series just for you. We have, we have, we'll teach you, you know, how to, how to transition from that into kind of a different way of seeing things. But the problem is, as a friend a spouse, a parent, a neighbor, a leader, a human, the problem is that sometimes I have to say or do things that somebody doesn't like. And I bet you have faced 
that same tension in your life. If you're a student, you've, you've had this tension. Do I just go along with everything my teachers say or my friends say or my parents think? Or am I going to have some, some beliefs, some values, some things that, that I might be disliked? If you manage people at work, how can I be someone who's enjoyable to be around and still is able to hold people accountable for getting things done? Come on, anybody face that tension? Uh, it's just this very normal thing. If you regularly interact with other people in any environment, you have faced this tension of, of running the risk if you're going to be true to something that deeply matters to you, whatever that is, running the risk that at some point you will be disliked. And for all of us, any of us who said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's going to be leader and Lord of my life. He actually told us that this was a risk we would need to be prepared to take, that even if somehow we were able to get through life not being disliked for anything else, it was very possible that at some point we could be disliked just for believing in him. Jesus said that. So here's the question, week one, again, wherever you are spiritually, and if you're here today and you're a little bit skeptical about the whole church thing or the God thing, maybe you're a little nervous about what this is all about, just, just stay tuned. You don't have to believe anything you're not ready to believe. But just here's the question. How do we respond when the values that matter to us clash with the world around us? Do we have to become unlikable or is there another way? Let's jump in. Long, long ago in a land far, far away, <laughs> there lived a king named Nebuchadnezzar. We read about Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament of the Bible and historical records outside of scripture back up what we read. Nebuchadnezzar was this ruthless conqueror, and when we, when we kind of jump into the story that, that features him, he has invaded the southern part of the nation of Israel, where the Jewish people live. The northern tribes had long ago kind of been scattered, but the southern part of this land of Israel was still intact, and Nebuchadnezzar invaded on two different occasions the, the land of Israel, the southern part, and the second time he came, he took away all of these. The first time he came, he took away a bunch of captives. And the second time he came, he took even more. And Israel really, for a while, almost ceased to be a nation. It was a terrible time. And some of the Jewish captives that Nebuchadnezzar took back to his land of Babylon, this was very common at the time, if you invaded a land, you didn't want to kill everybody because you were trying to build your own nation. And so you would take maybe... You actually would take the best and the brightest, and you would leave behind the poorest and most destitute, and you would kind of wipe out everybody in between. Pretty ruthless, pretty brutal, but that's the way the world worked at that time. So Nebuchadnezzar left some of the poor, poorest people in the land, but he took what he believed were the best and the brightest back to Babylon with him. And one of those guys was a man named Daniel. Daniel has so much wisdom and integrity in his life that when Nebuchadnezzar takes him back to Babylon, he begins to realize that he's truly an extraordinary individual. And so he promotes Daniel to this position of significant influence in Babylon, but Daniel also remains devoted to his belief in the one true God. So he's got this tension going on. He's in a place that doesn't value what he values, doesn't believe in what he believes in. He's got to stay true to God, but he's also getting all of this influence. And Daniel believes in God, Nebuchadnezzar does not believe in the one true God. So there's this tension. 
Several years go by, and when we find Daniel, several years later, a new kind of group of captives has been brought into Babylon, and Daniel is leading a men's J group in Babylon. You can read about it. Doesn't use those exact words, but that's what it is. And he's leading this group, and there are three guys in this group, a lot of people in this group, but there are three guys in particular named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I know their names are a mouthful, and uh, if, you've, if you've never seen, if you've never read the Bible or seen VeggieTales, <laughs> and if you're like, what is VeggieTales? YouTube that, enjoy the rest of your weekend. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and things are going relatively well for these guys in Babylon. They're successful, they're maintaining their devotion to God, and every indication is that they are well-liked. Even the people who don't believe in what they believe in like them and enjoy being around them. They're being promoted, they're having success, until King Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90-foot-tall statue of one of his gods and demands that everyone in Babylon bow down and worship it, and then proclaims that the punishment for not worshiping this statue is being thrown in a furnace, like a furnace. (laughs) It's not like go to your room, it's go to your furnace, okay, you understand, it's like, it's a bad deal, and of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now have this tension. They cannot do what the king asks in good conscience. Now, there have been other things that they have refused to take part in, but there's never been a consequence like this. And so they know, hey, if we bow down to this idol, that will betray our faith in the one true God. We only worship him. He's the only God. He created us. We've got to stay true to that. We value that. And yet we're being faced with this thing where if we don't bow, then we're going into a furnace. Now, if you're new to all of this, you may wonder why anyone would take their faith that seriously. And these guys do. So they refuse to bow. And when Nebuchadnezzar finds out, he's furious. He brings them before them, before him. He repeats his threat, bow or burn. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to the king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, let's just be honest. Okay, we're in church, so it's easy to act all brave. But for some of us, you know, that's probably not what we're saying in a moment of weakness. We're going, what happened was. Like, we didn't want to bow because it was Tuesday. But now we know it's Wednesday and there's a furnace. Like, where do we bow? But these guys say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, remember, they didn't get here by being unlikable. So they're very respectful, but they're very devoted to their God. And look at their approach. I love this. We don't need to defend ourselves. We are not defensive about what we believe. We don't have a chip on our shoulder. We were not organizing a protest when you called for us. Uh, we, we are not demanding that you tear your statue down. We're not doing any of that. We're, we're not like out in the streets, no more statue, no more. No, not what we're doing. We are just trying to honor you as king, but honor our God as our real king. And we, we don't want that to be disrespectful. We're not interested in causing any kind of of issue, but we just won't bow. 
We, we just won't bow. It's like they know that to live out their faith, we don't have to be unlikable, just willing to be disliked. Let's get that on the screen. We don't have to be unlikable, just willing to be disliked. When I was in third grade, there was an older kid who lived a few houses down from us who used to pick on me. He was, uh, he was bigger than me, which you didn't have to be older than me to be bigger than me, but he happened to be both, and he would pick on me all the time, and he was usually really subtle about it, and like he was, you know, I couldn't really, I couldn't complain. I, you know, he, he just knew he was a good bully. He was good at being a bully. But one day, he made the unfortunate mistake of pushing me down in front of our house. And my older brother just happened to be watching from the window. And in a split second, the front door of our house flew open. My older brother came running across the yard and pushed that kid like across the street. It was awesome. It was like the Old Testament, right before my eyes, like, eye for an eye! You know, it was, anyway. It was awesome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell the king, Our, we don't just have this intellectual faith. Our God is watching from the window. Our God is going to take care of us. And if you push us in the furnace, you just need to know he's watching. And he is able to save us, and he will. They believe in their God. But even still, look at how they end that bold statement. Your majesty. They honor the king's position even while refusing to bow to the king's values. I'm going to give that a second. They're not like, oh, we're going to post about this. They're not angry, red-faced, disrespectful but they're also not spineless, compromising, well, I'll just do whatever you say. Oh, it's getting quiet. <laughs> there is another way. There's a way to live an undaunted life where we're not trying to be unlikable, but we're willing to be disliked because being liked is not our highest value. It's important, it matters, and again, if you're like, I love this message because I want everybody to hate me, we have other series for you. <laughs> but let me ask you, if you've trusted Jesus, and if you haven't, you can take a pass on this, but if you've trusted Jesus and you're trying to live out your faith, are you facing pressure anywhere in your life to cave to something that you know isn't a value of Jesus, that you know isn't right. Did you know that you can be respectful and still refuse to bow? You don't have to defend yourself, start arguments, get mad, go off, post long sarcastic rants. There is another way you can say respectfully, no. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did with respect, but undaunted, not intimidated by difficulty danger, or disappointment. You say, but yeah, there's, but if I refuse to bow, I might be disliked. Yeah, you might. And that's a risk you're going to have to take if you're going to have any values. 
if anything's going to matter to you, whatever you believe, if you don't even believe in God, if you're going to have anything that's important to you, you're going to have to run the risk in life that you might be disliked. And for all of us who know Jesus, our values, let me just remind us, are not based on what's most popular or acceptable or easy to digest. They are based on God's word. We have one true God who created us and he gave us his word. That's why we read it. That's why we listen to teaching from it. Why? To remind ourselves that we don't have to be unlikable. We just have to be willing to be disliked. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar is going to do to these three guys if they refuse to bow. He's going to throw them in this furnace. And here's how they continue their refusal to bow. I love this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace. In other words, we're still holding out hope that that won't happen. (laughs) We have no desire to inspect your furnace from the inside. But if that happens, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Remember we read that? They understand we don't have to be unlikable. And they remind us we don't have to be unlikable to follow Jesus, just willing to be disliked. So now they find themselves in this place where they're respecting the king, but they're standing true to their values. And I want you to notice that they're doing it together. Our summer semester of J Groups kicks off in two weeks. And if you're new here, uh, J Groups are simply small groups of people who hang out and do life with others who are going the same direction spiritually. So we don't just gather like this on the weekend. As amazing as this is, we take it a step further. And we say we're going to get in smaller rooms and backyards and football fields and and coffee shops, and we're going to do life together. We're going to encourage each other and support each other. And I want to say thank you to all of you who are leading a group this summer. You're amazing. I'm proud of you. We already have a, over 135 groups ready for you to join. We have groups for all stages of life and for students and young adults. If you're single, if you're married, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, if you, if you, like, to, if you like to be active, if you like to be inactive. I have a group for you. Uh, if you like to run, if you like to eat, we have a group for you. And one of the groups that, the types of groups I'm really passionate about this summer is we have a bunch of groups specifically for men. And uh, the reason I'm passionate about that is because I've discovered over the years that often guys need a little extra nudge to get connected. Some of the women are responding, but don't be, if you go too far, you make my job harder, okay? So just like be, be like a little moderate kind of like a, and we're going to kick this all off, kick this summer off uh, with men's night. So this Friday, a bunch of us guys, we're going to get together, we're going to eat a lot of food, we're going to have fun, and I'm going to do my best to inspire you and encourage you to live out your faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, undaunted. There will be no furnace, Uh, but how do you live an undaunted life? Why is that important? Because I think our world can use some men and women and students who are followers of Jesus who have no chip on our shoulder but refuse to bow. I, I think there's another way. 
I think we could use some people who, who say, you know what, I'm not going to be judgmental, I'm not going to be unkind, I'm not going to be rude, I'm not going to be red-faced and angry, but I refuse to bow. For my life, I refuse to bow to empty materialism. We need some people who just say, you know what, I'm not going to just live like this world is all there is and whoever dies with the most toys wins. I'm just not going to live that way. I think we need some people who will say, you know what, I refuse to bow to the abuse of power. I refuse to bow to this idea that different people are worth more than other people. I believe everybody was created in the image of God, and I just refuse to bow. I think we need some people who say, I refuse to bow to the shallow sexuality of our generation. I think it's hurting us more than it's helping us, so I'm not going to judge, but I'm going to be true to my God and his values, and I'm going to say that I think there's a place for covenant and commitment and consecration to Jesus, and I'm just, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to organize a protest, but I'm just not going to bow. I'm I'm not going to bow. Your majesty. I'm not going to bow. I have this God that I serve. I'm not going to bow to the angry divisiveness of our society. I'm just not going to bow. I'm not going to get caught up in us versus them. I'm going to get caught up in him. That's how I'm going to live my life. I'm just, I'm just not going to bow. I'm not going to bow. We need some people who will say yes to Jesus and no to any other God without being unlikable. It's, it's another way. And if you're going, well, I, man, I want to live that way but I don't know if I have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. That's why Jesus comes to live inside of us. And that's why he puts us in community with other followers of his, other imperfect people, not flawless people, but other imperfect people who are seeking to follow Jesus. And we encourage each other and we pray for each other and we support each other. Why? So that we can live an undaunted life. Life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, if you throw us in the furnace, God's watching. He's able to rescue us, and he will. But here's the question on a lot of our minds. What if he doesn't? What if we put our trust in God, and we choose his values over the values of the world around us, and we stay true to what matters to him, and it ends up really costing us? Well, these three guys know that is a possibility. So they say one more thing to the king. Watch this. But even if he doesn't, so God's able, he can, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Because the definition of courage is devotion to God that is greater than any particular outcome we desire. And Shad, Mish, and Abed (laughs) say God can. God will, and if he doesn't, it doesn't change a thing. We're not committed to an outcome. We're committed to a God. I'm going to talk more about this during this series, but 
Sometimes for some of us, we have a God can faith, but not a God will faith. So we've intellectualized our belief in God. And I believe that God wants to move us from just believing that he can to believing, really believing he will intervene in our lives. We're going to talk about that. But then I think there's another level of faith that he wants us to experience. See, God can faith is belief in his power. God will faith is belief in his presence. But if God doesn't faith is belief in his plan. And God can rescue us. God will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, he's still our God because sometimes his plan has space for it, space in it for our pain. Sometimes God's plan has space in it for the pain of being misunderstood, ridiculed, judged, shut out, like Jesus our Savior was. And sometimes that's when we find out in the pressure when everybody isn't cheering on what we believe and what we value, sometimes that's when we find out if we just like the idea of God or if we're truly devoted to our God. So Nebuchadnezzar the king gets really angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not because they're jerks, but because they just won't bow. And so he's mad. He orders the furnace heated up even more, and then he throws those three guys in the furnace. But as he's watching what's taking place, waiting to see them be burned up by the furnace, he notices there's a fourth person in the furnace. And he freaks out, wouldn't you? He's like, I didn't get king by not being able to count the four. We threw three guys in there. Who is this fourth one? And why are they all walking around in the furnace? You don't walk around in the furnace. You lay down and die. And so he gets as close as he can, and he calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, come out of the furnace, and they do. And I, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm thinking they come out pretty quickly. I'm just strong, like, I'm like, yep, we we're just waiting, <laughs> not enjoying this furnace. And then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. They had been exposed to it, but not shaped by it. And not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. So again, Bible doesn't say this, but I'm like, were they all like, what? What? You don't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't say this out loud, but I'm sure they're thinking, I told you God could. I told you God would. Now, listen, if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person, uh, I'm glad you're here. Again, not going to try to twist your arm, make you believe anything you're not ready to believe. That's not my goal. But maybe the past few minutes have helped explain why those of us who have a real faith in God are willing to risk so much for that. You know, I've been reading about the first followers of Jesus the past few weeks. 
and I'm just struck by how completely they abandoned their lives to make Jesus all. And if you're here and you, you don't even know if you believe in God, I say this humbly, life-givingly as I can, but I hope the past few minutes have maybe messed with you a little bit. Because maybe you're going, why are these Christians so passionate about their God and then having to ask, could that be what's missing in my life? Just a thought. And then for all of us who are asking, how do I live out my faith? Like, how do I stay true to Jesus in the midst of the fire of this world? You're not always going to get it exactly right. But it starts here. Be more committed to Jesus than you are to any outcome you desire. And don't misunderstand. Like, I have a lot of things in my life I want. I have a lot of things in my life I would prefer to avoid. Like, I don't want that to happen to me. I would, God, I would like this. I would like that. I don't want any of that. Protect me from that. That's okay. Just above all of those ambitions and desires is Jesus I'm going to be more submitted to him than I am to any particular outcome I desire. That's how you live an undaunted life. And to do that, you're going to need to make space for the presence of Jesus in your life every day because people who learn to seek God when no one's watching are the people who have courage to seek God when everyone's watching. To do that, you're going to need a purpose in your life greater than whatever your current ambitions are because it's people who have learned to prioritize what will matter for eternity who aren't easily swayed by temporary opportunities to compromise for a payoff. To do that, you're going to need some people around you to point you back. Man, I'm a pastor, and I need people around me to... I need people in my life who every once in a while say, you know what, Mark? Man, I love you, but you, you smell a little like smoke. I gotta be honest. Like you, you got a little furnace. You got too much furnace on you. Like you're supposed to walk through it, but it's not supposed to change you. Come on, somebody. I need some people in my life who will help me not remove myself from the pressures of this world, but live innocently and purely for Jesus in the midst of the pressures of this world. And you need some people like that too. So get in a group this summer because people who learn to stand and stay close to God in community are the people who learn to stay close to God when they're feeling pressured and alone. And maybe you think you can't follow Jesus fully because the heat is too high in your school or your workplace or your family. And again, get in a group this summer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into that furnace together. They were connected. You can live an undaunted life when you put Jesus above any outcome that you desire and you begin to value what he values and you get into God's word and you're reading it and you're making space for the presence of God in your life and you're in community with other people who are following Jesus. I'm telling you, you can learn to spend all day in the flames and not smell like smoke. God doesn't want to remove you from this world. He wants you to be a light for him in this world. And to do that, you're going to have to remember that you don't have to be unlikable to follow Jesus. Just willing, if needed, to be disliked. 
And if you're new to all this, your next step can be very simple. Just come back next week. You owe it to yourself to give this a few weeks and see what God might want to do in your life. <laughs> Especially if, you're, if you've been arguing with me in your mind over the past few minutes. Come back next week and argue with me in your mind. Do it for a few weeks. And let me be clear again. I like to be liked. It is more fun than being disliked. But for all of us who are followers of Jesus, I'm asking you today, I'm challenging you today to ask yourself, week one of the series, what and who am I going to value most? What the world around me thinks, what my friends think, what my neighbors think, what my coworkers think, what society thinks, or am I going to value most Jesus and what he thinks? And then I'm challenging you to ask yourself, does my everyday life reflect that? Can I walk through the furnace and not smell like smoke? And if you would say today, week one of the series, and by the way, week one is always the most intense. I do that on purpose. I'm gonna build up your faith over the next few weeks. But if you would say week one, and I'm ready to kind of just step across that line or step across that line again to just say, Jesus matters most to me. And I'm gonna value what he values. I'm gonna live the undaunted life. Would you just lift your hand all over the room? Come on, hold it up high. In Hokeston, hold it up high. If you're watching online, you're a follower of Jesus. You wanna live the undaunted life. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you today and we are humbled by your presence and reminded of your power and your goodness. And God, we're praying that you would fill our hearts with courage, the courage to live simply before you in this world. God, take away from us any anger and resentment, any judgmentalism, but also take away from us fear and doubt and wavering and instead fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can stand like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did to be able to say we don't need to defend ourselves our God's able our trust is in him but whatever happens we just won't bow we're going to live for the God who created us and saved us we're going to be a light in this world. Fill us with that courage, we pray, and we thank you for it, and we give ourselves to you today. And while you let God speak to you for a moment more, if you're here today, if you're in one of our physical rooms, or you're watching online right now, if you don't know Jesus yet, listen, let me tell you something about Jesus. He's likable. If you read about the story of Jesus being on this earth, the in the New Testament, we read about how he walked here among humanity. He was well-liked. In fact, you know who liked Jesus most? The people who were far from God, who were burned out by religion, who had a long track record of sin and brokenness and mistakes. They were drawn to Jesus. Why? Because they could sense how much he was drawn to them. He was likable, but let me tell you one more thing about Jesus. He wasn't just likable, he was willing to be disliked to the point that to bring you into a relationship with God, he let people nail him to a cross. And he gave his life 
so that you could know God. He was willing to be disliked. You were that important to him. And if you're here today and you don't have a real relationship with God, listen, in the moment that you declare your faith in Jesus and what he did for you, dying on a cross and rising again, you become a child of God. And if you want to take that step today, I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. So I want to invite everyone again, just open up your heart big to God. And if that's you today, if you want to begin following Jesus right where you are, whisper out a simple prayer, something like this. Jesus, today I believe in you. I believe in what you did for me. That through your death on the cross, I'm forgiven of everything I've thought, said, or done that has kept me from God. Through you, Jesus, I have freedom and I have life. I'm gonna follow you. And if that's you, while everyone around you says, focus on God, if you would say, I wanna be included in that prayer, will you shoot your hand up? Just hold it up high, come on, all over the room. Here in Newark, in Hokesson, hold it up high. Yeah, online, type the word faith in the comments. Let us know you're taking that step. And then here's what I wanna invite you to do. Stand with me all over the room. Stand up if you're watching online and you can. Stand right where you are in the presence of God. We're gonna open our hearts together. We're gonna worship one more time. Aren't you grateful for the presence of Jesus in the midst of the fire? So let's open our hearts and let's worship together.